so honored this morning being reminded that you had only one son and you gave him for us eternally we are in debt and we are grateful one day we will see him face to face in meantime oh god that you have given us this joyous privilege to stand to serve to obey to glorify your great and magnanimous name with the psalmist lord we say great is the lord and worthy of our worship thank you lord for giving us this day as we are in your presence we pray oh god that you speak to us through your word that we might be encouraged challenge open our eyes oh god unless your holy spirit illuminate our understanding lord we are unable to comprehend the riches of your grace your peace and your glory would you please do so we will give you all the praise and glory i thank you for each person those who are here we commit our life as we feast on your word lord satisfy us in jesus name we pray amen please be seated what a privilege that we are here this morning to study god's word we are very happy to have our brother raul pinto with us and we are grateful for his service in our church there is a redeemer his name is jesus Pastor was preaching about City Stir. He's one of my favorite missionaries, and uh, it's wonderful. He's like a Babe Ruth, Hall of Fame. In cricket, he was he and his brother. Always they had opening batsmen. They were the, from England. They always presented Aussies, the Test cricket player, and he was. They were the best. England always look forward when there is Aussies. They always look forward for these both the brothers in the opening batsmen. Never thought about God. Never th- never gave anything to Him. One day, his brother got sick, so much so the doctor told that he's going to die. City Charles Sturge sat with his brother's bedside, holding his hand. and he said this my brother and i were so ambitious and now he is in a few hours will be gone what about me that turned him to the lord and turned the history he went to india he went to china he went to africa his wife worked and supported him 20 years in africa he gave everything to the lord everything he had uh, in those days he earned he inherited i think 600 or 600000 pounds something like that and he gave it everything to the lord except he kept it i think he kept it 3000 pounds just roughly and he wrote to his wife his fiance said listen i gave it everything to the lord and now i kept it 300 3000 pound for our wedding 
So his wife wrote back and said, if you love the, if you love the Lord and love me, give that also. That was the beginning. When he was in Africa, spent all his life, his daughter came in the closing time. And previous night before she left for England, she asked to sit with her father. And he said, daughter, I want to give you something before I pass this on. And he looked to the east and said, well, these books will not be any help to you. This side, I don't think, this all, everything is, and then he said, sorry, daughter, I give everything to the Lord. I have nothing to give you. That was city start. And that's why he said that only one life, it will soon be passed. What is done for Christ will last. What a, you know, my friends, our young people do not know the story of this man of God, how much we need to remind them that the onward Christian soldier, that beautiful stanza goes like that, brothers, we are trading where the saints have trod. Oh, how much we need to go back to the footprints of this godly man and learn the ways and means. You know, God is, people today are looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. And we are missing that. And I wish we would have more missionary biographies told in the churches so they would know what we have inherited from those men of God. You know, Oswald Chambers, People's Church in Toronto, he said, if the Lord Jesus Christ is not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. And it's so true, so true. Well, this was my, on my heart when Pastor Pre uh, preaches, well, he was preaching today. And that came to my heart. I said, well, city stir. I, I spoke about city stir in our missionary conference in India. So I know about him very much, very well. Well, we, uh, we started the uh, uh, second Peter. Uh, by the way, God willing, I'm, it's not sure right now. Next Sunday, we might have to go to Virginia. But Hasu's brother is home from the hospital. And our son, Kevin, and his family, they're driving from Florida. And we will be, God willing, if everything works out, we'll go. Otherwise, we'll be here next Sunday. That's just cross finger. We'll wait for the Lord's timing. As I told you that first two Lord's Day, we are continuing studying from the book of Job. And last two Sundays, we will study Second Peter. And when there are five Sundays, the Third Sunday would be question answer. Question answer. So God willing, I'm just giving you a heads up right now. December we have five Sundays. And December we will not be here. So November we'll take one Sunday for the question answer before we go. So uh, I will tell you what Sunday. So you can write out the questions, whatever you have. Hand over to me previous Sunday. Then we can discuss and uh, any comments, any compliments, any criticism, because I want to learn. I'm not ready-made from heaven. I want to learn. So whatever you have in your heart, write it down. Just give you a heads up. So, well, Peter was the one who penned his letter, Second Peter. And uh, 
We saw last Lord's Day, so I don't want to go in details, but just question, who informed Peter about Jesus? Question, any? Andrew. Andrew was the one, and who was, uh, Andrew was the disciple of whom? John the Baptist. John and Andrew, they were the disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, John the Baptist. And then when John introduced, behold the Lamb of God, they followed him. And he said, where do you live? Come and see. Come and see. So he stayed overnight, and then he went to his brother. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 40, 41, he said, we found him. Oh, we found him. We found it just like a Samaritan woman. She went to the town and said, Eureka, Eureka, Eureka. I found him, I found him, I found him. And Andrew went and he said, you found him, Messiah. And Jesus then, the whole history was changed. As I pointed out last Lord's Day, there are eight Simon in the New Testament. And Simon Peter was one of them. Well, the reason Peter penned this epistle to uh, warn the believers, the false teachers were getting into the churches, and he wanted to uh, uh, warn them that beware of this Peter and uh, Jude, almost similar thinking in their last the letters. So you can, when you read Peter, Second Peter, you can read Jude. You will find out together. Well, last Lord's Day, we completed the introduction. So let's jump into the first verse, 2 Peter chapter 1. Would you please turn with me? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. 1. Someone can read 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Wow, thank you, brother. What a beautiful way to begin this epistle. Every word is loaded with the meanings. Peter is talking about the believer's precious faith, its source, substance, and sufficiency. You will find in this introduction, according to the custom of his day, the apostle opened his letter with the standard salutation, identifying himself. How did he identify himself? Servant. Servant. Now, pause for a moment. In Greek word, I'm sure you heard many, many times, but in Greek language, it is doulos. Doulos, slave. One who is in permanent relation of servitude to another. His will consume in the will of his master. Keep that mind. Keep that in your mind. Servant, Peter introduces himself, servant, born servant. He humbly and gratefully placed himself in the position of submission, duty, and obedience. He's completely submitting himself with a servitude attitude consumed with a master's 
desire. His eyes are always on the master. Whatever he wants, I'm ready to do. And that's how Peter is introducing himself. Humbly, completely, gratefully place himself in the position of submission, duty, and obedience as a servant. He introduces himself as the obedient slave of Christ. Obedient slave of Christ. As an apostle, he was a unique divinely called and commissioned as an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter, servant of Christ. All the believers, those who have willingly surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, have no choice than to look at the master and say, "Thou, what is thou has for me to do? Like Paul in, on the road to Damascus. When the Lord knocked him down, that was the first thing he asked, what thou has for me to do? We sign up everything to the Lord and say, not my will, but thy will be done. Peter, uh, being a servant, then he introduces himself as an apostle. Apostle. The Greek word for apostle is the one who is sent. The one who is sent. In the New Testament, his primary refers to the 12 men Christ chose according to him. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 19. Then later on, when Judas hung himself, Matthias was chosen by early disciples and they added him in the list of the apostles. He was considered as an apostle. Christ gave them power to confirm their apostleships with miracles. Matthew 10 and verse 1 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. An authority to speak on his behalf. That teaching is the foundation of the church. Now remember, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, Paul was talking about the ministry in the local church. And he said, the Lord gave some. And then he said, the apostles, number one, prophets, then pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Evangelist. Now, if you do little study about this man, apostles, you come up, to what was the purpose? What was the purpose of the apostles? Well, to lay the foundation of the church. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. There were three purposes of the apostles in the early church. This is the one. Someone can read loudly. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Thank you. Apostles were the people God used them to lay the foundation of the church. That's why the office of the apostles ceased in first century. Why? The church was built. Today there are so many popping up. We are apostles. I don't know whether we call them apostles or not. It's not apostle. 
according to the scripture. So the second purpose of the apostle to receive and declare the revelation of God's word. To declare and receive God's revelation. Agabus was one of the uh, men who declared about Paul and all, all the rest uh, in Acts chapter 11 verse 28. And then third purpose of the apostle to give the confirmation of the word through signs, wonders, and miracles. Through signs, wonders, and miracles. Well, there are other apostles. Apostles who have seen Jesus Christ, who has been commissioned by Jesus Christ, and who, who has seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were true apostles. But there were apostles in the New Testament, like Barnabas, like Silas, like Timothy. They were also called apostles. In what sense? Well, in apostles, in other sense, if you read, uh, I want you to turn with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23. This is so beautiful. I love this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23. Someone can read loudly. Isn't it beautiful? I love that. They are the messenger of Christ. Who? Barnabas, Silas, Timothy. They were messengers of Christ. But then the messenger was titled the glory of Christ. So. Apostles of Christ were the source of the church's doctrine. While the apostles of the church, like Timothy, Barnabas, Silas, the apostles of the church were the leaders of the church. They were the messengers of the Lord. They were messenger of Christ. So when they are messenger of Christ, in the inverted commas, they were the glory of Christ. All the pastors are the messengers of Christ. And being a messenger, they represent the glory of Christ. Isn't it wonderful? Yes. Wow. What an honor. What an honor. As Job reminded us, chapter 4, verse 11, that we are living in a house of clay. House of clay. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are living in a, in a, the, the heavenly treasure in his Earthly jar. And this kind of vessel is a messenger of Christ. This is mind-boggling. Not only that, but the glory of Christ. <coughs> glory of Christ. Beloved, what an honor. The pastor is a special honor and all the believers. They are the messenger to their neighbors, to their colleagues, they're family members and all. Isn't it wonderful? I love that. What a privilege. What a privilege. Then Paul, but then Peter continues, to them or to those, the recipients of this letter are the same of the first letter. 
Then Paul's, uh, Peter says that the bond servant of Christ, apostles who have obtained, who have obtained, it is often translated who have received and can attain by divine will. Here, Peter was emphasizing the salvation was not attained by personal effort or skill or worthiness, but came purely from God's grace. From God's grace. We are saved by God's grace. Precious faith is talking about precious faith. Beloved, it's such a wonderful, generally in the Greek word, which is translated like precious, like precious, used to designate equal in rank, in position, in honor, in standing, in value. That word, like precious. What is the meaning, like precious? Like precious means in rank special, in position special, in honor special, in standing precious, in values precious. Peter was emphasizing that Christians have all received the same precious, priceless, saving faith. There are no first, class, first or second class Christians in the kingdom of heaven. That is beautiful. There is no first class or second class Christians in the kingdom of God. All will get the reward. There are no first class, second class Christians. And are no special racial or gender distinction. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. Oh, Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave or free, nor male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. All those who are one with Jesus Christ are one with one another. Amen? Amen. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? You know, we are talking about discrimination, all kinds. If they only know cross, there is no discrimination. Bring back the cross in the country. Bring back the word of God in the country. There would be discrimination. So sad. When you hear every day how much they need to bring back the Bible and pure preaching of the word. Remove all the entertainer and bring the expositor because the truth will set the people free. Truth sells people free. So Peter was writing to the mostly Gentiles and these Gentiles have received the same faith as the Jews. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, Peter was brought up with this kind of thinking. And the Lord has to knock him down. He was in Simon the Tanner's house, remember? He was afternoon, he was hungry. And the seed came from heaven. He said, Lord, I only eat the kosher food, not this. And said, whom the Lord has cleaned. Who are you to declare unclean? He was scratching his head and he heard there are people calling him. Simon, Peter, is he here? And I'm here. And then Peter went there in Acts chapter 10, verse 41. And Peter was 
honest. And he said, you know that we Gentile, we Jew, have nothing in common with you. <laughs> the Lord has to bring him on his knees. And then Peter said, I now know that God doesn't have a partiality. There is no Greek, no Jew. There is no male, no female. All those who are in Christ, they are one, each with one another. So Peter is talking about the servant. He's a servant. He's apostles. And he's talking about the believers who obtain the like-minded faith, precious faith. And now he's talking about the special faith. He's talking about faith. He said, those who obtain like precious faith. Faith. Peter is speaking of a subjective faith. That is Christian's power to believe. For his salvation. Faith is the capacity to believe. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. Faith and belief expresses the human side of salvation. But must remember that it is the, even the faith is the gift of God. Faith is the gift of God. I don't have a faith. Because spiritually I'm dead. Spiritually I'm dead. And if I believe, God initiates faith when the Holy Spirit awakens the dead soul in response to hearing the word of God. That is how the word of God, that is how the Holy Spirit works. Holy Spirit doesn't work in vacuum. Holy Spirit doesn't work in vacuum. Holy Spirit takes the word of God, convicts us, and brings us on our knees, and gives us the faith to believe the finished work, because you cannot save yourself. Amen. Faith is a subjective reality, Peter is talking about. Here Peter is talking about, Peter writes, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how he ends the first verse. The righteousness. The righteousness. Peter writes, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The greatest God's goodness that the sinners are given eternal life because the Savior imputes his perfect righteousness to them. Savior, Christ, imputes his righteousness. You know how much we are privileged, those who are believers, to know that once upon a time, what we had a plus became minus. And what was minus now become plus for us. Paul was boasting about his self-righteousness until he came to the cross. Amen. And he said, by the surpasses knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, I consider all garbage. 
What was plus became minus. And what was minus became plus. This is amazing that God in Christ imputes his righteousness that is right standing before holy God. Our God is so holy that he cannot look evil things. Habakkuk 1.13, you know that? He's so holy. No wonder Habakkuk says, in chapter 2, verse 20, holy, holy, holy. God is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent before him. There is only one word in the Bible, three times, holy, holy, holy. Not love, love, love. Holy, holy, holy. The holy God imputed his righteousness in this house of clay. And I became the purchased possession of heaven. I'm not my own. Somebody bought me. What a privilege. What a privilege. That's why Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2, he said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? No. No. It's so wonderful. Peter's point is that the believers share equal gift of salvation because God's righteousness imputed to those that, to them, that righteousness recognized no distinction, no matter how big or how small sinners they are. They, this must not only do they have a faith because God gives them. They are saved only because God imputes his righteousness to us. By the way, the word righteousness and justification is the theme of Romans, right? And there are 30 times the word used in the book of Romans, interchangeably. Righteousness, justification. Righteousness, justification. Then it's a wonderful, friends, that only in Christ we are declared not guilty. Turn to the pages of the religions in the world. They're all talking about there is a God, there is a way, but nobody ever said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, except Jesus Christ. Yeah. I come from, we come from India, you know that. And we have Hindu religions, how many gods, every day they make their own God. If they're not satisfied, they make another one. There are 385 million gods they have. And you ask them, do you know where you're going? He said, no, we are working. We are working. I heard a man, I, a godly man, he went to be with the Lord. He's a Hindu man. He said, I, I used to go in the woods and stand with my one feet for two hours in order to please my goddess. And then another way, two hours, four hours. Early morning, I would go in the woods to appease my god or goddess until I came to cross. 
There are many stories like that. Many, many, many stories like that. Only in Christianity, a thief on the cross confess he can enter into paradise. Tell me, any other religion, any God can offer that kind of satisfaction to a believer who believes in him? In Christ alone. In Christ alone. You know, Paul, Peter is writing about here that the, the, by the righteousness of our God and our Savior Jesus Christ. This is too beautiful word to explain. To understand. So turn with me to Romans chapter 3 verse 26. Romans chapter 3 verse 26. Romans chapter 3 verse 26. Someone can read loudly. Thank you, brother. I want you to, when you go home, my beloved, open the Bible and meditate on this verse. What is the Holy Spirit is talking about? That God is a justifier and is a just. And then you consider where the salvation fits in this. So, the real problem, as it is, as it were with the salvation, was not the matter of getting sinful man to the holy God. So when you read this verse, Romans chapter 3, verse 26, God is justifier and he remains just. Salvation is a theme. Salvation was not the matter of getting sinful man to holy God. We preachers can say, oh, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And that, that's it. That's what we say. But there's much more than that. Much more than that. What is much more than that? But the, how the holy God accepts the sinful man without violating his justice. Do you get it? Do you get it, this sentence? Let me say it again. How can the holy God accept sinful man without violating his justice? If God, Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, shall not the judge of the whole earth do the right thing? God is a just God, right? So how can that holy God who cannot look evil things can accept sinners like you and me and still he remains just God? Not violating his justice. That is mind-boggling. That's how we have to introduce Christ to our children. Rather than Jesus loves you. When you tell this, then there is a reverence for the holy God. 
then there would be fear of God's justice. How can the holy God can accept sinners and still remains just God? The answer is the only through the cross. The answer is the cross. That God provides just redemption for sinful man and he remains just God. I like to stand on the top of a mountain and shout. That's why it's very, thank you, Mark, it's very important to present the gospel properly. 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 The cross demonstrates forever that God is both supremely just and supremely gracious. The cross was the ultimate vindication of God's justice and righteousness. No wonder Peter talks about, and he says here, that faith with us by the righteousness of God, our God and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the word, our God and Savior Jesus Christ. The footnote, you know, the footnote, the most unfathomable of all spiritual mysteries is that the holy and just God providing redemption for the sinful man. He's providing redemption for the sinful man. Sinful man. And in that gracious act, not violating any attributes of his nature, but bringing the supreme glory to himself, and Peter concludes in his first verse, our God and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, when you think about this, I, I was lost. Because when you see the other scriptures and you truly fall on your knees, because in Micah chapter 7, Verse 18 and 19, Micah, the prophet says, who is like unto our God who can forgive the iniquities? That was a question Micah raised. And then in verse 19 says, you are the one who throw our sin, our transgression in the depth of the sea. They did not know about the cross. They wonder. Psalmist, in Psalm 103, verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west so far, you remove our transgression. Behold, I make the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 34, that in that new covenant, I will remember your sin. Hallelujah. No more. 
No more. No more. So our God, Peter said, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Greek construction helps us to understand this, our God and our Savior. What is talking about? Our God and Savior, Greek construction of this verse has only one article before the phrase, making the entire phrase refer to the same person. Thus, Peter is identifying Jesus Christ as both God and Savior. Isn't it beautiful? Jesus Christ is both Savior and God. We are not talking about two God. We're talking about one. And then Peter says, verse 2, grace and peace multiplied to you. Wow. Grace and peace multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Peter in his salvation, sorry, Peter in his salutation reminds his readers that the true saints live in the realm of grace and peace. Believers have a peace which passeth all understanding in the turmoil and the troubled world. The word grace, you know, Peter, Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified, what we have? Peace. Friends, it's so wonderful. Therefore. So if you understand the word therefore, you have to understand what has been told previously. So Peter is talking, Paul is talking about because of all these things, therefore we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We are justified. Only justified person has a peace which passeth all understanding from heaven. And he can live. Grace, God's unmerited favor toward the sinners, which grants those who believe the gospel complete forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter continues to say, Grace and peace, Irene, with God and from Him in all life circumstances. Peace is the effects of grace. Peace is effects of grace. All this grace and peace come in through Jesus Christ and through the knowledge of God and the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Keep that in mind. So, full stop there. And then we'll pick up from further next time where we meet together. But remember, what a glorious blessings in Christ we have. Peace with passeth all understanding. No wonder the martyrs, when they were burned on the stake, they were rejoicing, singing, praising to God because they knew, absent from the body, presence with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for bringing us together again under the authority of your word. And we have been reminded, Lord, that who you are and what you accomplished through Christ and declare ugly, sinful, wicked, as I am, we are. Declare not guilty, righteous. Amazing love. How can it be? We are eternally grateful. Thou art worthy 
to receive the glory and power forever and ever. Prepare us now for the worship service. In Christ's name we pray.